Hi, welcome to Peace of Mind Radio Podcast. I am Brian Ramsey, along with Eric Douglas. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Brian? I'm all right for a Monday. Hey, uh, so today's going to be pretty interesting. This actually, this uh, conversation comes from a meeting that we had, uh, I don't know, I, that I had last week. And it comes up all the time. And it's shocking. Actually, uh, our, our uh, producer over here, we just had this conversation uh, right before we shot this. And we were like, what comes up all the time? Or what have we been hearing? Especially in this, you know, this is a crazy pandemic. So uh, for those of you that are maybe watching this in replay, it is, uh, let's see, the last week of February of 2021 we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve that's 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 exactly where we're at that's, actually or, so, or the the yeah. uh let's see it's the one-year anniversary to only having to wear your mask for two weeks that's there, what there we, were talking, about there <laughs> we were talking about outside we were talking about this at lacrosse we were talking to some guys and we're like what about this and in fact um there was a and I, what the reason it came up is because we literally had just read an article or i just read an article mm-hmm. that said that some some guy from the CDC came out and said that masks are going to be mandated beyond 2022. Uh-huh. Can you? It's like how can that guy predict it when we don't even know what's going to happen six months from now? But anyway, that's a totally different podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so uh, one of the things we were talking about prior to the uh, recording this was what are some of the things that you know we're seeing from clients, hearing from clients that uh, you know that we thought we would do a show on. So somebody might uh, find interesting or uh, something that you might do uh, in your financial life that might better uh, uh, your situation. And without a doubt, one thing that came up was that we're seeing a lot of, and Eric, you and I were talking about this, we're seeing a lot of clients that are almost kind of like frozen, right? They're almost kind of paralyzed, if you will, of making financial decisions or doing anything financially. And they're, what do they all say? I'm wait to the market to come back. Yeah, wait, wait for things to get of, over, and then I'm gonna make a move. It, well, and that's really what that's been the case for. Well, once again, <laughs> one year to you know since two weeks to flatten the curve. But I mean, for really the the entire past year, that's been just something I've seen constantly with clients is they don't know what to do. They've seen the market go way down. They've yep. seen it come all the way back up. Now, what people people were frozen when the market was at the bottom because they were scared. They didn't know what to do. Well, now we're seeing a lot of it now that the market's hitting all time highs again, because they're waiting for the correction to come, which inevitably there will be a correction. There's always a correction. Yeah. But you just have to give it enough time in between to, to be able to withstand natural corrections that yeah. occur in the market. But, um, you know, outside of that, I think the other thing that's happened in the past year is, and this is, you know, where we're going, there's been a greater emphasis, I think, on estate planning. And so that's been For a sure. bigger topic of conversation with some of the folks that we've had, some of the clients that we've had in our office here recently is, you know, what do we need to be doing? Because, you know, it, I, you, you see what's happening in the news. Obviously, unfortunately, a lot of people have, you know, lost their lives because of COVID. And it's a very, very sad thing. So we want to make sure we're being proactive and having conversations about making sure your affairs are in order well ahead of time before you're having to, to, to think about those things, you know, when the, when the time comes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, wh- one of the one of the things that we as in this business and, you know, you have new clients that come in and you're talking about, you know, how they, you know, what happened in their financial life? What were they doing? What were they thinking? And it's amazing is we have a tendency when things are okay. uh, We have a tendency to not be proactive at certain things. It only do uh, when we're only uh, proactive when a tragedy strikes and you're like, Oh my gosh, I got to go out and redo this. I got to, you know, rebalance my portfolio. Well, you should be doing that anyway. Um, and and that's kind of the challenge, but I've got a piece, uh, I think it's still in one of our meeting rooms. Anyway, 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, by the way, if you want this piece, uh, send, send us an email and I'll send it to you because I know I have electronically. But it's basically a roadmap over the last 50 years. Uh, and it's a Time Magazine cover article. You, we, oh, yeah. We've all seen oh, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember who. Well, now I know who does it, but it's a mutual fund company, which Lord knows I can't say it because then I'd be promoting it. <laughs> and we'd never get this podcast approved. So I'm not going to do that. However, if you want it, send us an email. Uh, it's info at FWP Partners. Uh, it'll be in the description below this video. So just email us and say, hey, I want a copy of the Time Magazine article and we'll send it to you. But what, what, what this thing does or what this article, or what this, it's like a trifold. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that when you get it in electronic form, obviously. But what it does is it shows you that if you look at Time Magazine cover, pretty much there's a, something going on all the time. And the markets have been pretty resilient. That's essentially what this was, right? All, all the scary things that have happened throughout yeah. the entirety of American history that have, you know, been uh, meant certain doom and gloom for yep. the American stock market. And, yeah. you know, the life as we know it is officially over, and, and yet it keeps, keeps plugging and, along, and, and we're look, still here. Absolutely. And, and COVID is going to be no different, right? Yep. I mean, the history books are going to say this is exactly what it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see the markets at all-time highs five years from now, which is going to be much higher than it is now. There's going to be another tragedy. And sure enough, this market's going to be resilient to get through it. However, with all that being said, one of the points we're trying to make today is, is that we have seen newer clients uh, that we had, that have come to us over this past year have all pretty much said the same thing. Well, I, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that. But I'm going to wait until this is over to do something. We've, we've heard that way too much. And then, so, when, and then when this is over, there's going to be some other reason why they can't do oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the well, anyway, I won't go there. I was going to go down a rabbit hole, which our producer does not want me to do, and I totally get it. All right, so here's one topic that we, that, uh, that's come up, and, it, and Eric mentioned it. And that is that folks have a tendency to delay um, looking at their estate documents. And it's looking at for updates or even doing estate documents to begin with. It's only when you have a tragedy like this or they lose somebody, a loved one, or something like that, that you go, wow, I should go back and look at my will to make sure it's updated. Or I should go back and make sure all my estate documents are updated. That's not the conversation of today. Yes, should you go back and do that? 100% you should. That's not the exact conversation we're having. We're talking about a very specific estate planning technique that we, uh, we've had a couple of conversations with over the last week that I had a client come in to say, well, this is how I have this set up. And I'm like, no, that's not how we do it. Um, and she's like, oh, I didn't know, uh, didn't know I should set things up that way. So what we're talking about is, <coughs> that, that's not it, by the way. Our, uh, our producer will edit that out, I promise. Or <laughs> he may leave it in there. All right, so um, what we're talking about today is checking and savings accounts, right? What, when it comes to estate planning or estate documents, we talk about asset titling, beneficiaries. Those are pretty easy. A lot of times, checking and saving accounts are ignored or they don't look at those, do- those uh, account types because they're more focused about IRAs and life insurance policies and that sort of well, thing. Well, people think on a macro level, right? And they don't right. necessarily think on a micro level about the smaller accounts are really the most accessible accounts that they have, which are their, obviously, checking and savings accounts that they have just sitting at their, at their local bank. Um, and really, in a time of need, when something does happen or, or someone passes away, 
what's the first thing a lot of times that you need access to is you need cash and you need quick cash. Yeah. And so how is it that we want to structure those assets to make sure that they're passed on in a timely manner to the people that they need to go to, to be able to cover immediate necessary expenses? Yeah. So one of the, uh, one of the most common mistakes that we see is that as uh, parents get older, they will have a tendency to add their children to their checking accounts. That's what we're talking about, is adding kids to a checking account. Far more common well, than I would have ever thought before. Oh, too. it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time. So why, Eric, why would, why would somebody do that? You're 70 years old and you go, hey, I got, uh, you know, one of my kids lives in California, another one lives in Chicago, the other one lives here. So I'm going to put the one that lives here, I'm going to put them on my checking account. Well, the thinking goes, like I was just saying, you want somebody to be able to access your money in the event of your death. And you want them to be able to access it quickly. And in and, and, and thinking, or the, the thinking would go, that the easiest way to do that is if they are on the account themselves, they would have immediate access to it. Generally speaking, that's going to be a bad idea. And there's other ways to accomplish that goal without having them have access or allowing them access to your money while you're still alive. Um, the easiest example is, you know, we always talk about the, the spendthrift kid, right? Or the somebody with the, the gambling or the drug addiction. And, and that's always, that's obviously a very extreme example. But unfortunately, we've seen it enough times. It's common. It's, it, it's, it's a real example. The reason yep. people use those examples is, you know, we talk about those things is because they, they happen, unfortunately. Sure. And so when you're allowing someone access or they're an owner on your account, they have full access to it just like you do. You give me access to your checking account, I can go write a check the exact same way you can. If I want to go buy some extra furniture for my patio, guess what I have available at my disposal if you know I don't have it somewhere else. Yeah, and by the way, if you do have your – and we're, we're going to go down uh, several different um, mm-hmm. uh, topics here on this category. But if, for example, you have your child on your checking account, savings account, and that child goes into the bank and says, I want to withdraw money. The bank cannot stop that, by the way, because they're an owner. So mm-hmm. they can't stop it. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, banks won't let that happen. No, that's not the case. That, uh, it's obviously not the case. But so just to kind of narrow it down, why a parent would name a child on their checking is really what I find is kind of two reasons. Number one, they put them on there for, to, for probate avoidance, mm-hmm. meaning I pass away I just don't want my kids. I'm trying to simplify things, just trying to get my checking and savings passed to my kids. The easiest way to do it is to add them onto the account as a joint owner. And when I pass away, it automatically becomes theirs. They can, you know, withdraw the money and pass it out to their siblings, which they're not required to do, by the way. So if they only put one child on there, they're not required to give uh, the other money to their siblings. Now, you hope they would, but they're not required to. But number two, they do it in case of, incapacity. I become incapacitated. I'm not dead yet, so the money doesn't pass uh, by, uh, by the beneficiaries, but I need somebody to continue to write the bills and pay the bills and that sort of thing, or write the checks and pay the bills, uh, so I'm going to put them on there just to have access to the money. So those are, the, those are the, really the two main reasons mm-hmm. why we see uh, folks put kids on their checking account. Now, there's some inherent risk in that. We talked about that uh, mm-hmm. If you have a child that maybe is not very good uh, money-wise, that could be an issue, right? They could go in and you know, withdraw assets, that kind of thing. The other, uh, the other issue is, let's say you have a kid that you know is really good with money. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna protect it. They're not gonna go in and drain your account or anything like that. Which is that's what everybody says. Oh, my kid would never do that. <laughs> that's awesome. However, if 
that child, or if they're married and their spouse goes out and does something stupid and has creditors coming after them, which Lord knows we know that that happens, guess whose assets are available to that creditor? Mm -hmm. Your checking account. Absolutely. Because they're on there as a... As an owner. So, again, there's just more risk than is necessary because you can have two things done to your checking and savings accounts, which is the right way to do it, and that's what we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. that avoids all that. It avoids your kids from going in and taking money out of your account unauthorized. It also avoids uh, if your child or their spouse or whatever does something and there's creditors coming after them, it protects your assets. So that's what we're going to walk through right now to, uh, to kind of finish out uh, this topic. So number one, Eric, I'll yep. let you kind of let you run with it, but I'll ask the questions. Um, so let's tackle de disability for, or uh, incapacitation first. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. So I have, uh, I'm a single, uh, a single parent, right? I'm older. I become well, and in fact, I'm a single parent. I'm even younger, and I have all this set up. But uh, I become incapacitated. I'm not dead, so there's no transfer of the money. I'm still alive. What can I put in place? that would allow somebody to step into my role financially and act on my behalf? A well-established estate plan will include several different things. Of course, it'll include the very basic living will, a, a will, a living will, but it'll also include a power of attorney as well. Yep. Power of attorney is who is going to have the ability to make decisions on your behalf if and when the event occurs where you become incapacitated for whatever that reason might be. So if there is a POA on you, if you hold the POA and, and someone has that ability, uh, they, they will be able to access those accounts while you are still alive, while you are incapacitated, without technically being the owner of the accounts themselves. So if they need to access your checking account, your savings, for whatever reason that they need to access that money quickly, they will have the ability to do that. If you have established an estate plan well in advance, once again, you do these things when there's not a five-alarm fire, when you know you want to be proactive, but if you got an estate plan done well ahead of time and you've got a POA set up, power of attorney, that will allow them full access to all of your funds. Yeah, and so I get this question. Okay, uh, I've got a POA, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have a POA set up, and I'm gonna have my child as POA. Can they go in and act on my behalf while I'm still in full mental capacity? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Um, could you have that provision written in there? You, you probably could. Um, we don't typically do that. They have what they call springing powers, meaning they come into play once you become incapacitated. Uh, and that person has to have uh, some documentation that uh, they would supply, um, you know, that shows that you are, in fact, incapacitated. So, in other words, um, you know, my youngest son will – I don't know that it'll be my POA. Of course, he's too young for me to even uh, watch this, but uh, he's, he's my wild child. And um, I'm not sure that I would want him be, to be POA because uh, if, if that were a capable, uh, he were to, capable to, to get inside my chunk guy, he for sure would because he would buy every skin known to man in Fortnite if he had the ability to do that. So I for sure would, you know, for sure would make, uh, make sure that it had. The springing power, not I joke around about it, but there is a provision in your power of attorney that says that in the event that you become incapacitated, it's the only time that comes into play. And then it is only good until you pass away. And once you pass away, it all goes away. Uh, the, the, the power of attorney goes away. So, mm -hmm. um, so, to, so to your point, 
if you are incapacitated, a power of attorney is what gives that person the ability to act on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Durable durable power of attorney, absolutely. And once again, as you just said, it dissolves upon the death of you know the the owner of the power of attorney. So once once that person passes yep. away, then everything goes either to their estate or to the <clears throat> trust or whatever is directed in their will. Yep. Or good transition. Mm-hmm. Checking your savings. Check, checking in savings. All right, that's what we're dealing right. with now. So yeah, we dealt with incapacitation. Now let's deal with death. I pass away, and obviously that's a reason why I put my kids on my checking account uh-huh. is because I want to avoid probate. I just want it to be easier for you know for my kids or my. Uh, executor. So now, what can I do to my checking and savings accounts that will help avoid probate? This is far less complicated than coming up with a full estate plan. All you need to do is go into your local bank and tell them that you want to put what's called a TOD, a transfer on death, or some banks may call it a POD, a payable on death. All you need to do is tell them you want to add a TOD or a POD on your account and what happens is that money upon your death will immediately transfer to whoever you label the beneficiary as. Normally, in this case, we're talking about your kids. So if you go in and say, I want my, you know, I want Junior to be, you know, I want this account to transfer on my death to Junior immediately, it will avoid probate. It will go straight to him. The immediate impact is that for things like funeral expenses and, and all those, you know, various things, paying off creditors or, or whatever the case may be. You know, Junior has money immediately available to him that he did not have access to while you were still alive. But now that you've passed away, he he has full access to it. It's transferred to him. He is now the owner of the account. You know, and you didn't have to you know have him be an account owner while you were still alive. Yeah, and that, that's really the big thing uh, that we wanted to get across today is just don't wait to do this planning. Do it now. I mean, what a what a better way to. And as a matter of fact. Can some, Mr. Producer, can you uh, make a note of that, that we should do a series on things that you should be doing during a pandemic as opposed to waiting until afterwards? That would be, that'd actually be pretty good one, I think. That's anyway, we may do that. Uh, actually, we probably had that already planned. But anyway, that's, that's a whole different story. Now, um, don't wait until things come back. Don't wait until the market comes back. Don't wait until we can no longer wear a mask. I mean, those are the type things that we hear all the time. Well, I'm just going to wait. Yeah, I need this to happen before... You know, I'll go in, uh, in front of an attorney to get my state documents done. Don't do that. Do it now so that when we can go maskless or when we can get on an airplane and travel without fear, you don't have to worry about going to see the attorney and getting your state documents done. They're already done or anything else for that matter. But uh, So don't put it off. If you want to come see us, we, we're happy to walk you through the whole estate uh, planning process. You can call us. The phone number will be below in the description. You can email us and ask us questions. Uh, if you want that Time Magazine piece, uh, just send us an email. Be happy to uh, to drop that to you, uh, an email. Um, but here, it, the conclusion to this podcast is pretty simple, and that is don't put your kids on your checking account. Clear and I mean, it's just as simple as that, right? There's just too much risk. There's There's a very clear path that you can take, and the proper way to do things is to have a power of attorney established for whomever you want to name, that will uh, l- allow that person to act on your behalf in the event of an incapacitation. And then put check put uh, beneficiaries on your accounts. Super simple and easy. Avoids probate. Uh, and so you can accomplish both things by just properly doing your planning uh, and uh, adding a, a POD or TOD, I think is what you called them, and, um, and making sure you have a power of attorney. So with that being said, uh, if you want to come and meet us or you want to come sit down and talk about your estate plan, Call us. 
Uh, the number, again, will be in the description below. Uh, the uh, well, I don't know. Mr. Producer's yelling at me about something. That, say it. Oh, our phone number, <laughs> 502-200-5210. It's also in the description right below here. Um, but I'm gonna let we, uh, we are far better uh, financial planners than we are uh, TV hosts and podcast hosts, right? <laughs> yeah, but this is but this is this is how we are. It is right. So if are. you come see us, this is how we're gonna act. So uh, you should at least have some fun not, with it. Right? We're just not that we're not that stuffy group, right? I mean, I, and I actually think that's why a lot of clients do business with us because we are a little bit more mm-hmm. laid back. We're not this sure. whole stuffy suit wearing, come into big long drawn out oak uh, conference room table. That's just not how we roll around here. Um, so we like to have a lot of fun, and we mm-hmm. want to. We want clients to have fun, and we want fun clients. Um, um, so anyway, that's that's it. Uh, I'll I'll pass it over to Eric. He'll sign us off, and just make sure you tune into next week, or actually over the next couple of weeks, because I think we are going to do a series on things that you should be doing uh, during a pandemic, so that when you come out of a pandemic, you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we appreciate you listening. Make sure you listen, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast uh, subscriber, favorite podcast uh, platform. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you click that red button. Uh, and if you can leave a review there or, or give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The information given herein is taken from sources at IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as Independent Financial Partners, IFP, IFP Securities, doing business as IFP, and its advisors believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC, investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Family Wealth Planning Partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as IFP, and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.